The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work every single week to make sure you have the inspiration and information you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we are going to talk about something that um, every real estate investor seems to want to know about and if they already know about they seem to want more of it and that is private money money to buy and fix houses that doesn't come from institutions doesn't come from hard money type vendors doesn't come from the sellers themselves but does come from other individual human beings who want some of the returns of real estate without actually having to mess around with the real estate. It can be a real win-win situation if you set it up right with the right people and honestly sort of disastrous if you set it up wrong and with the wrong people. So to help us with that discussion day, we have a guy who is certainly the best known uh, expert in the country on the topic of raising private money for real estate investors. That is Mr. Alan Calgill of Springfield, Ohio, who has been in real estate since 1995, done hundreds of deals, lots of those without using banks or hard money, but instead using these private lenders. He is joining us today by phone. Welcome, Alan. Well, thank you. Nice to be talking to you, Vini. Uh, it's good to be talking to you too, and I should I should mention to listeners that uh, the the reason I was able to get you on the phone, despite the fact that you have an incredibly busy schedule, <laughs> like you are you are you are very in demand, uh, is because you're going to be making an appearance uh, here in Cincinnati and also in Columbus in a couple of weeks uh, to give a more formal presentation about this, where you can actually show pictures and slides and explain the whole process and so on and that folks can get more information about uh, attending those presentations at cincinnatiria.com for uh, here in Cincinnati or at centralohioria.com for the Columbus dates. Um, Wanted to get that out of the way so that I didn't forget it in my um, interest in hearing what you have to say about uh, what's going on in the private money market. So can you give us a little bit of your history about how how you kind of came upon this idea of private money in your own real estate business? Yeah, sure. Well, um, many, many years ago, uh, like you said, I started in 1995. I was, I was, uh, I was broke. 
uh, I got a quarter century in corporate America, and I was successful in corporate America, but as I was climbing that corporate ladder, I realized I had the ladder against the wall, uh, wrong wall. I'd, I saw some relation of mine that retired at poverty level after working at JLB all their life, and I realized it was going to happen to me if I didn't change what I was doing. And um, at the time, uh, I was struggling paying my bills. I was living in a little two-bedroom apartment, and uh, kind of let you know what I was living through at the time. I I had this old beat-up car that needed some repair work, but I put that on the back burner because I was busy paying my other bills. And one night on a first date, that car paid me back by catching on fire. And I uh, took this lady home from our very first date and started to walk her up to the door at her apartment complex, turn around and look, my car had burst into flames. You know, how how uh, nice. how, how to impress somebody, you know, being a, in corporate America and think you're doing well and you got a car you can't even afford to, you know, take care of. So uh, every morning when she woke up, she had a burnt charred mark in the parking lot. So I looked into... Uh, other things to do. I, I looked into franchises, but they take money. I couldn't do that. And my way to invest back then was lottery tickets. I took my whole federal tax return that year and plunked it down on lottery <laughs> tickets and lost on every ticket. So, um, And uh, one night I couldn't sleep. I uh, was worried about paying my bills. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got up and started to channel surf. And I hit one of these real estate infomercials. And it got my attention. I thought, you know, I ought to give that a shot. And it Two o'clock in the morning, I picked up the phone and I ordered that system, and uh, it changed the rest of my life. And that year, I bought two properties. The next year, I bought five. The following year, I bought fifteen. And like you say, since that point in time, I've done hundreds of deals. So uh, that's that's how I got into real estate. And then along the lines, uh, when uh, over time, I was going to live events, and I heard this thing about hard money lenders and private lenders. And I thought they were the same thing. And after a while, I got it untangled. I realized that with hard money lenders, that they get to set the rules. But with private lenders, if I was dealing with those type of folks, I could set the rules. And so I realized that my mom had come into some money when my dad passed away. And she um, was taking the money and plunking it down on a bank certificate of deposit. And I went back to mom and I said, look, you're getting this poultry low rate of return on a bank CD. I can pay you three, four, five times what you're getting on the CD, and I'll give you a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, and lender title insurance, and I'll pay you monthly simple interest only. And mom jumped for joy, and she was my very first lender. So that's how I got into it. Mm-hmm. Proof, proof of concept with mom. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. and I think I think that and we're going to we're going to talk as we as we go on here about some of the deep misunderstandings that people have about how about how private lending works. Uh but I think that that's that's a lot of people's first experience is not that I go out to strangers and start asking for money but rather I find somebody within my circle who is is literally upset about the kinds of returns that they can get in what they would consider to be a quote safe investment, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the investor kind of goes, well, you know, I could do better than that. And sure enough, they jump for joy and that, that gives them the confidence then to start talking to, to other people in their circle. And then the people in their circle talk to other people and, and so on. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a, a good story and one that I think reflects the experience of an awful lot of people. So um, once you had that first kind of success under your belt, you then turned this into a kind of a big thing, 
like <laughs> raising money yeah. became a big focus for you. Exactly. Well, it, it, it took me a little bit to, to catch on. I mean, I, I started out with mom and then I got a, a second lender. His name was Ed. And um, I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell you, I went over to his house and sat at his kitchen table and he asked me a bunch of questions and I couldn't answer them all. I was new at it. Um, but by the time I was done, he agreed to loan me some money. And uh, and he was my second lender. And then his, just like you said, other people would come along and they'd talk and loan money. So his wife loaned me money and he's got a boy that loaned me money. And so uh, that that was my first experience. But I was going down to the corner bank. I still had a J-O-B and I was uh, getting money from the bank. And it, and it took me a while to figure this out. But what happened was the company had a layoff. And they were looking for volunteers, and I wanted to be a full-time real estate investor, and I'd honed my skills on this. And uh, I was the first one to volunteer, and they had a sweetened package, which helped. So uh, I did that, and then what happened was um, I ran into a problem. There was a downturn in the rental market, and I had to evict some folks, and I ran into a negative $10,000 a month cash flow problem. And I realized that the answer to my situation was to embrace this private lender concept, and that's what made the big turn. And I... Um, I had a couple meetings, and out of those meetings, I ended up with a million dollars to go buy property. And that stream of money uh, continued. And then uh, over time, uh, I realized that I could uh, use 401k money uh, and move it into a self-directed IRA, providing that someone has quit, retired, or gotten laid off from their company where they had the 401k, and they could use that dormant 401k, if you will, and roll it over into a self-directed IRA. And that's when my money became a flood. Mm-hmm. It, it became huge at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I'm guessing part of that process was educating those people that they were able to do that, because honestly, 99% of the people in the world don't understand that they can invest retirement money into things other than stocks and bonds. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about that after we take a quick break. I do want to invite listeners, if you have any questions about uh, the process of raising private money, the legalities of raising private money, the practicalities of raising private money, uh, give us a call at 877-772-9658. Again, that number is 877-772-9658. You can also just send us an email. Send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alan Cowgill, real estate investor, author, private money expert, and uh, probably a name that you have heard if you have been around the real estate world for very long because he is certainly the best known name uh, in the country amongst folks who teach folks how to raise private money. And Alan, that kind of that kind of brings me to the first like serious misconception that people have about private money. No RIA meeting goes past that someone does not walk up to me and say, "Hey, I've got a property and I need funding. Do you know any private lenders?" Yep. And they they seem to think that, you know, there's just these there's just these folks sitting around that are that are private lenders that are waiting for you to show up with your deal <laughs> so that they can fund it, right? And that maybe there's a list someplace that people don't know about. And that's 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 just not 
how it works. I mean, I work I work really hard on developing my private lenders and making sure they understand the process and um, trying to keep as much of their money invested as I possibly can. So for someone to come up to me and say, hey, would you would you give me private lenders? What they're saying is give me your private lenders. There's right. there's not some list out there that, you know, there's hard money lenders, but that's that's a slightly different thing. So um, first, first, let's talk about the difference between what you mean when you say private lender and the many, you know, fine, wonderful, hard money lenders that are out in the world who do advertise and are online and are at the RIA meetings with the table. Like, what, what, what's, what's the difference between the private lender and the hard money lender? Yeah, and, and I, years ago, I used, I used hard money lenders, too. I, I think I bought 16 properties in two months with hard money. Um, the... Um, uh, the hard money lenders get to set the rules, and the reason they're called hard money is because uh, the rules are kind of in their favor, where they they get paid well on it, and um, and so they get to set the rules. The, in a nutshell, the the private lender, what I found is we get to set the rules, and that was real ap- appealing to me. There's only four parts of a real estate deal at the very very top level, at the pinnacle. One is we got to find. A, a great property that we make money on, and typically we're looking for a motivated seller there. Number two is what we're talking about tonight, which is money. Number three is you typically fix the property to enhance the value, and four is you either keep it long term or you or you sell it. Uh, and uh, folks struggle with the second item because um, they're going to banks and getting turned down to go to hard money, and and it's kind of expensive. Um, what I found is that that private lenders let you set the rules and that's that's what my lenders do if if somebody wants to come in and and, and set the rules like a lender wants to set the rules i consider that a hard money lender and in my case i i uh, i've always dealt with people that let me set the rules i told them what my structure is and um and see if they want to come aboard and the hard money lenders uh, you're right. They are wonderful and they're great. And if you don't have private money, it's 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 a good way to go. It's just it's just expensive, and you just need to recognize that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there there's um, you know, I know a lot of hard money lenders, both both companies that lend hard money, and also just individuals who their terms are hard money terms. And there's a real distinct psychology difference between the guys who want to be hard money lenders and the guys who want to be private lenders. And that is that the hard money lenders are completely willing to take back the property. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother them at all to think, you know, if you don't make your payments, I'm going to just take the property. I'm going to make money off the property because really I'm also a real estate person and I know how to deal with that. And the private lenders, they the, the idea of having to take back a property kind of horrifies them they just want exactly. they just exactly. they just want they just want some money you know they just want they just yep. want their money to make them money they don't they don't want to have to worry about ever having to to own a piece of property and you know a lot of them would have to call an attorney to even find out what that process was so the private lenders in my experience tend to have lower demands for the kind of interest they want and the mm-hmm. kind of you know they don't even they don't even typically care about points which almost no, they all don't even know what they are yeah most <laughs> and most hard money lenders like that's that's a big part of their profit is the points uh, because a lot of them what they're doing is they're they're actually getting private lenders and they're lending out the private lenders money 
and their profit right. is in the points. Exactly. <laughs> so you know that's a great great example that you just gave, because the hard money lenders they're fine if they take the house back, and but the private lender they don't want it at all. Mm-hmm. They just want to keep getting that monthly payment or you know whatever whatever structure you got set up. They just want that that money coming in, mm-hmm. and that's their that's where their heads at. And you're right, they don't ask for things like points that hard money lenders ask for, things like that. That was a great point, Vina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, so private lenders and hard money lenders are just kind of, they're kind of two faces of the same coin. One is in the business of loaning hard money or of loaning money, and private lenders are more, it's like a side investment for them. They're not, mm-hmm. this is not what they're doing full time. This is just something they do to try and increase their returns. Right. Now the other the other piece of the misunderstanding is people think that hard money lenders or I'm sorry private lenders go out and find out about this and educate themselves and decide to become hard money lenders or sorry private lenders and then they I don't know like offer their services and and really it's sort of the other way around like they don't know they want to be private lenders until you explain to them what's going on. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. Um, in fact. Um, many times when you you talk to a uh, person that uh, and you ask them about loaning you money, and if they get excited about it, they might want to cut you a check right on the spot. And we can talk about that in a few minutes. But but the point is, they don't know what I call the mechanics, which is once someone agrees to loan me money, the first thing I do is I uh, I see if they got more money that they'd like to lo- loan. So what I say to them is. If I find a deal worth X, should I call you? And I always double whatever amount they gave me. So if they gave me, let's say, two hundred thousand uh, dollars agreement to loan me two hundred thousand dollars, I ask them. I say, well, if I find a deal worth four hundred thousand, you know, should I call you? And that is a kind and courteous way to see if they want to put more money in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the next step is I shake their hand if I'm face to face, and I say, you made a wise decision, and then. The following piece of this is I tell them how the money's handled. You know, I tell them that, that you you don't make the check out to me. What we're going to do is wire the money to uh, the title company. I'll call you up in four to six weeks and let you know where to send the money, and we'll get your money working. Mm-hmm. And so those mechanics are are uh, what I do with a, with a new private lender right off the bat, so they understand uh, how this thing works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of what you you are always trying to train people to do when you speak at seminars and RIA groups and stuff like that is build that relationship because, because unlike hard money where literally you can Google hard money and come up with a thousand people who are willing to loan you money under their terms. But private, private money is much more of a relationship business it, True. It, yeah. And 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 it's not something where you're going to meet somebody with money and say, "Hey, you got some money? I want it." And they're going to write you a check. It's a <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a, it's a it's a building process where you're doing some, you know, finding out about them. I mean, that's an important part of the of the legal process is what are their investment goals? Can they actually afford to lose the money? That's that's mm-hmm. an, an important piece of it. Uh and then talking specific deals later on down the road. So uh, this is not something that you can you can start by saying I have a deal under contract. Who's got money? This the, this process should happen long before you have a deal under contract. Yes, exactly right. And and one of the things I found Vina, is that private lenders loan you money based on the fact that they trust you. And um, so what 
I encourage folks to do is is create your create a credibility kit that you can hand out to people. Um, mine, uh, I have a page on me and a page on uh, my company, and uh, you know examples of deals and then uh, any education I've had over the years, I put in a certificate and and so I can show them what kind of education I got and and I I find that that's a good icebreaker I guess and uh, it gives them the confidence to to loan you money. They don't typically keep your credibility kit. They'll thumb through it and give it back, but it, it's a good thing to um, to start with. Well, what what would you say to somebody who was a newish investor who really liked the idea of private money, wanted to go start talking to some of their friends and family about it, but didn't have that middle part where, oh, here's all the deals I've done? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the credibility kit is part of it. You just you know don't have the deals in there, and uh, and somebody that's new out there, uh, and maybe some experienced investors, but real estate investors. But what I would do is I would I would start out with a list of people that you know, and I wouldn't pre-screen them too much uh, because somebody you might think is is broke, they might have some money that they've gotten through inheritance, things like that, or they've got one of those dorm 401ks I talked about. Be surprised how many people have that. I'd make a list, and then I'd put together what you want to say. I'd put together a little script on, and I wouldn't overdo it. It's something you can memorize, and um, and then I'd I'd start approaching people and asking people that you know, and ask them if they they wanted to earn a high rate of return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I that's how I'd start out. Yeah, it's um, you you said something you said something important there that I want to make sure we emphasize which is there there are people in everyone's circle i don't care who you are who have money and you don't know it mm-hmm. uh that's yep. so it, and and every time i have had the thought well that person just came to me and gave me their card and said they might be willing to loan some private money but that guy can't have more than ten thousand dollars look at the car he's driving he's the richest guy in the room yeah. <laughs> yep. That's so true. Yeah, and some, yep. sometimes it's inheritance. I remember one of my early private lenders was a retired teacher. And, of course, my thought was, well, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money, and it's hard for them to save up. And it turns out teachers' retirement plans are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she had she had hundreds of thousands of dollars in a retirement plan that she was she was very anxious to not keep in the bank account that her retirement plan was keeping it in at like point one percent interest or something like mm-hmm. that. So, yep. uh, yeah, don't 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 prejudge people until you've uh, you know offered them the opportunity to tell you whether or not they can participate. Good point. You know- that 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 is exactly what what my students come back and tell me. You know, I'll I'll ask them to go ask people for money, just like I briefly described here, put a list together and put a put a script together. And over and over again, people will come back and tell me I didn't. You know, I was talking to somebody and and I didn't know if they got two million dollars back. You know, then they they want to loan it to me, and mm-hmm. so it's and they are just shocked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is you're right. You're exactly right. There's mm-hmm. more money out there than than. You can you can use. I mean, you just need to get out and ask for it. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you need to check on in your state before you ever approach any private lender and also answer listener questions. 
you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Alan Cowgill. And I, I just wanted to remind listeners who listen to us live on uh, Wednesday nights on WMKV or on WMKVFM.org that we also repost these uh as podcasts in iTunes. So you can always go back and listen. In fact, you can listen to approximately 200 episodes at this point. Um, you can directly access, access those at realliferealestate.com, realliferealestateinvesting.com, uh, real excuse me. And if you want to be put on a notification list so that every Wednesday you get an email reminding you to listen live so that you can ask questions, uh, just send me an email at askvina at gmail.com and say add me to your email list and we'll put you on there. And then every week we will uh, let you know what is going on. And very often, as happened this week, our experts will like write an article uh, that, that kind of gets more in depth in some part of it. Um, Alan's was about the Securities and Exchange Commission and how it uh, tends to regulate private loans. And that is important, important information to have. And in fact, Alan, uh, let's go ahead and, and talk briefly about the, the homework people need to do before they run out and start trying to get private lenders. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, um, let me start off by saying um, getting private lenders uh, is kind of relates back to a sporting event. When I grew up, I was offensive and defensive guard in football, and the coach would teach me the fundamentals, how to block and how to tackle and things like that, how to get into the position. What he also taught was if you're carrying the ball and you go 10 yards, you get a first down. You're carrying the ball and go across the goal line, you get a touchdown. So he handed me a rule book. Well, with private lenders, there's the fundamentals, which you and I have been talking about up to this point, on how to attract private lenders and things like that. Uh, credibility kit and things along those lines. But there's also a rule book out there, and that rule book is uh, put into place by the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission. There is a federal SEC, and every state has a division of the SEC. And um, the promissory note uh, falls into what's called a security. And so, therefore, the SEC has control of this, and they set the rules. And what I have found is that 99% of real estate investors before they know about private lending or anything like that. They don't have a clue on on the rules. And so um, you need to uh, understand what the rules are. There's seven different programs that I teach my students uh, that they can use when it comes to uh, uh, attracting private lenders. And uh, it's not the Wild West. You need to follow the rules, and you need to know what the rules are so you can sleep at night. And so the rules are not hard. Um, they're easy to follow. Uh, the problem of it is, like I said, most real estate investors don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. So you know, I don't know how much in depth you want me to go, Vina. But, well, know, we uh, unfortunately, we have we have listeners all over the country. And mm -hmm. there's so there's no way we could go like, oh, in Alaska, it's this. And in Alabama, it's this. And in Ohio, it's this. Uh, right. Or, you know, we just have to take over the station for the, for the next five hours. Mm -hmm. But I, I just I want to encourage people to to check with your state SEC because Yes, private loans are going to be regulated, and they're going to be regulated slightly differently 
in each state. And usually, at least my understanding from looking at your book is, usually there's an exemption offered to, yes. to people who are either borrowing under a certain amount of money or have under a certain amount of lenders. And that, that depends on the state. You know, some states have real big ones. I know Tennessee, it's like a, you can borrow a million bucks under that mm-hmm. exemption. Uh, and some have smaller ones, but you need to know what those are before you, and because you have to, you have to file the exemption. The exemption's not like automatic. The exemption's not like, oh, well, I borrowed less than a million dollars, so I don't need to do anything. There's still some document you need to send that says this is what I'm going to do so that you're in line with what the law says to be in line with. Yeah, a couple points on that. One of the things um, that ev- everyone listening, if you want to get a private lender, you should have what's called a disclosure statement. And I think it's actually um, important for us as real estate investors as it is for the private lenders. But uh, the private lenders need a disclosure, which tells them uh, what business you're in, how their money's going to be used, how you're going to get them paid back, how much interest they're going to earn, and things like that. Uh, I think it's good for us, for, for an example, if Vina and I was here talking and I say I pay 7% interest and Vina goes away thinking I pay 9 that's a problem. But if I have it in writing and hand that to the private lender, uh, then we're on the same page. They can go back and read that and see what I, you know, what I offer. Mm-hmm. So you should have a disclosure statement. And uh, on the million dollars, uh, yeah, there's um, in uh, actually every state but two, uh, you can raise up to a million dollars with family, friends, and associates. And there's the two states that you can't do that uh, are a half million. I believe it's Indiana, and the other one is uh, New Hampshire, I believe. Mm-hmm. So um, um, the other thing we're going to talk about, Vena's advertising, since we're in this for a minute. I don't want to miss that. Um, you can't jump off this training and um, and go out and advertise for lenders. Um you know, the best way to start is what Vina and I talked about is people that you know, I call it family, friends, and associates. And in virtually every state, you can go out and get lenders that way uh, tonight. Uh, there's 13 states that you have to fill out a little piece of paper, and, and then you can go do what everybody else does and get lenders. But if you want to advertise, then you have to fill out some forms and have the uh, have the okay to, to go advertise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you, you say fill out those forms as if, as if you know, it was just a simple thing. Oftentimes, you need to get a lawyer involved in that because yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> they can yeah. be, yep. they can be very complex forms, and sometimes the setup of the placement, you know, whether it's an intrastate or interstate placement, uh, is is going to cost you some money. So that that's for people who like, I need big amounts of money. I need to be mm-hmm. able to pool money. I need to be able to get multiple people involved because the deal's so big that no one person is going to be able to fund it all, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, okay. that's that's uh, we actually have a, a recording on the podcast at realliferealestate.com with Jillian Sedoti, mm-hmm. who talked about those big placements, those big, you know, I, I need to raise $5 million to do an apartment building to, or to take down a giant package of notes or something like that and and you know doing it one by one isn't going to work because <laughs> i have yep, to do exactly. everybody all at once so um closely re- oh so um yeah when you say when you say friends family and acquaintances you're you're basically talking about uh folk folks that are already quote known to you like you mm-hmm. you know what their 
what their goals are and, you know, what their financial position is and, and those sorts of things. And uh, we got actually got a question while you were talking from Robert, who I'm going to say from his email is from Northern Kentucky because it's got NKY in the email. And he says, what are the legal issues with borrowing money from people you know? Are there any issues with getting multiple people together to finance a deal? Well, uh there's, there's five areas, Robert, that's, that's controlled in every single state. One is advertising. We talked about the other one is pooling. Uh, pooling is like advertising. If you want to pool money, then you have to fill out some paperwork to get the okay to do that. Um, so on working with people that you know, um, you could pool their money, but you're going to have to fill out some paperwork to do that. Now, what um, what I had done is, is uh, I can borrow money from one lender and do a first mortgage and then a second lender do a second mortgage. And um, so I can get the money to fund the deal that way. So you're just stacking up mortgages. A bigger chunk of money gets gets first position. So borrowing money from family, friends, and associates, uh, easiest way to go out and get money. Uh, if you want to pool it, then you, you have to fill out some paperwork to be able to do that. The other uh, three areas are commissions of the five areas that are controlled, uh, you can't pay commissions unless you you live in Texas and Minnesota and I believe South Dakota. Uh, all the other states can't pay commissions because back in 1920 there was some dude called Charles Ponzi. Maybe you've heard of Charles, and he uh, he uh, pooled money and <laughs> never uh, purchased the investment to make money, and they caught him and put him in jail. So when the SEC was created in 1933, they looked back at Charles and said we can't pool money. The other two of the five are thresholds. It's the number of lenders. We've already talked about a million-dollar cap in all but two states. Uh, if you want to go unlimited, then Vina was talking about that when she talked about uh, big and make you know using another uh, program with the SEC and go unlimited. And then the other one is number of lenders you can have. In my state, it's 10, but I can go above that if I fill out some paperwork. Uh, the biggest state would be uh, New York with 40 lenders in a year. Uh, the lowest one is four in New Hampshire. Uh, the rest of the states are someplace in between. A lot of them are around 15 to 25 lenders. So those are the five areas that in every single state are controlled. And like Vina said, there's different amounts for different states. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Robert, Ron, the quick answer to your question is there there are the same legal issues from bar, uh, with borrowing money from people you know as there are for everyone else. There's not People seem to think there's like a friends and family exemption, and I don't have to do anything if I'm borrowing from friends and family, and that's really not true. But um, don't pull it. I understand that there's a lot of money about a lot of information about private placements online, but not much about borrowing individual private money, which is why maybe you want to come to the RIA meeting on February the 7th and come see Alan talk about this more. Uh, and then he says, I met a person last week and they are really interested in lending money for my real estate deals. I would offer them a note, simple interest and a mortgage. And, you know, yes, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the process, yep. but check with the state of Kentucky first and find out what you have to fill out to satisfy them because you do not want them coming after you. Nope. You've got a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, and later title insurance, and then that all-important disclosure statement that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, now, interestingly, Alan, we got uh, several questions before the show from people who got that notice Mm -hmm. that I sent out in the morning that says, hey, here's what we're talking about. Got any questions? Let me know. Uh, That were from people who are potential private lenders. So Mm -hmm. I thought it it might be interesting to answer some of these questions, even though we're kind of uh, we're kind of really talking about uh, raising money instead of lending it. Um, and I think it goes to show something important, which is that when the stock market goes on a wild ride, people suddenly perk up and start thinking about private lending who didn't think about it before. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I would I would expect that, you know, as the market continues to slow down, partly under the influence of what's happening on Wall Street, that it would be easier to talk to people about private lending and you've you've been in the market long enough to have been through two downturns so is yep. is this is this what you expect to happen in the next yep that's couple what years? i found yeah they're uh they're they're bailing out and they want to, they're trying to find another place to park uh, park it and we you know we offer a mortgage a promissory note has insurance lender title insurance where they got their money uh secured on real estate and uh yeah they'll they'll bail out of the market and, and come to us uh-huh. So that's exactly what I found. But I'll tell you what, I mean, you can get you can get private money in a good market or a bad market, but you're right, you there's there's more people out there looking in a in a in a downturn. Mhm. Mhm. All right, Alan, we need to take one last break when we get back. We will get to these questions from these private lenders. If you have any last minute questions, 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Bina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Alan Cowgill. We are talking about uh, raising private money, uh, but also have a number of questions here from folks who are interested in lending private money. And uh, we're going we're gonna to tackle those in a second. I want to remind listeners again that if you are in Ohio, uh, Alan will be talking at some of the RIA meetings here in the state over the next few weeks uh, in Columbus on February the 5th, centralohioria.com for more information about that, and here in Cincinnati on February the 7th, uh, that's cincinnatiria.com to RSVP or grab a free guest pass to come if it's your very first meeting. Uh, so, Alan, I, th- I just thought this was so interesting. I mean, we've, we've done this topic before in years past, and I don't think I've ever gotten an email from somebody who was interested in being a private lender. And that was what kind mm-hmm. of struck me that isn't it interesting that all of a sudden now that now that, you know, looking back on the prior year, everything underperformed <laughs> stocks, bonds, yeah. e- everything that you could typically invest in ended up being worth less at the end of the year than it was at the beginning of the year, except real estate. So uh, I think that's, I think that's maybe made people whose ears wouldn't typically perk up when you said, put your money in real estate, but passively uh, all of a sudden, you know, go, well, maybe I should, maybe I should talk to somebody about that. Mm-hmm. So a uh, question here from, that's actually two questions from Rob in Nashville he says, uh, how risky are these kinds of loans? Are there some protections I should make sure I have in place? Hmm, great question. Well, um, let, me go, let me go through a handful of items right now. Um, number one, is it, is it a, a good deal? Um, and number two would be the experience of the 
person that's doing the the real estate investor. You know, uh, you want to, you know, are you going to want to watch what they do if they're a rookie or, you know, are they more experienced? The other thing is documentation. Um, make sure that the private lender gives you a disclosure statement and read it. Um, and then also the mortgage promissory note has insurance and lender title insurance like we talked about. You want to make sure. I've In the past, I've talked to people that have uh, loaned money out and they didn't, and they're in trouble because they never had the uh, the documentation. The money wasn't secured by real estate. They loaned money and and got in, got in trouble. And there's uh, you know there's some stories out there about people uh, about that. The other thing too is the um, the real estate investor will, is going to want some rehab money, and I would encourage that um, you probably going to have to give them some money to get started with, but I'd also hold back a chunk and then verify that they are putting the money into the property and you're happy with the progress before you release more money. So I don't know. Vina, can you think of any more other than those four? Well, no. I mean, a lot of the safety of a private loan really has to do with can the investor pay you back and does the investor intend to pay you back? Because, I mean, unfortunately, there are some folks, and, you know, we've seen them here in the state of Ohio, who they prey on people who don't understand how private lending is supposed to work. So they go find somebody with money, and they say, hey, loan me money against this house. It'll be great. And then there's literally no, I just dealt with one of these about two months ago. There's literally no mortgage. There's There's a promissory note. It says, I will pay you back, but there's no mortgage securing it. So in this particular case, the quote investor, I would call him more of a scam artist, um, fixed up the house with the private lender's money, sold it, kept all the money himself. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> because, because there was no mortgage to be satisfied, right? The title company didn't even know there was a mortgage and uh, then said, OK, so sue me. You know, I don't, yep. I don't have anything. So, yeah, I mean, a- as a lender, there are certain things you should expect. And, gosh, if there's if there's any document you don't understand, feel free to run it by your attorney. Your, your attorney should be able to, you know, approve the note, approve the mortgage, approve the disclosure, approve everything. Because um, there, there are ways that these can go bad. But, you're, you know, if your investor is uh, of goodwill, they, they intend to move heaven and earth to make sure that you get paid back. And you have that security of you said you said safe deal, meaning the deal is worth more than the money you have in it, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. Then then ultimately, if your if your investor of goodwill drops dead, you have the property to go back against, and the the property needs to be able to pay the loan, and the investor needs to be able to pay the loan, both of them. Yep. Exactly. So uh, Rob's other question was, what kind of rates of return should I reasonably expect as compared to leaving my money on deposit in a bank? For example, if the bank is currently paying 2%, should I reasonably expect 4 to 6% above that? Well, um, I'll tell you the way I pay it in just, just a second. The uh, My lenders, they, um, uh, on how much above something, I've got a, a student in Kansas and uh, what he does is is he tracks things off the the T bills and he'll be so many you know percentages above that and when every day the rates change based on the T bill. But the way I I pay is this is uh, well let me start back at the beginning when I started out I was paying 15% back in 95 or 19 two years later because mom 
started loaning me monies two years after I got started in real estate. And that was the going rate back then. And after a while, I got feedback from my private lenders that that was too good to be true. And so I lowered the rate to 10 and 12%. And uh, 10% if they do monthly payments, 12% if they let the money accrue, and then they get paid when I get paid. Now where I'm at is I pay three ways. One is my favorite way is amortize. So around 4 4.5%, 5% amortize and pay it down over time. Uh, the second way is simple interest monthly payments, where I pay my uh, private lender on the 15th of the month. Why? Because I've got rentals, and if the tenant pays late, I've got time to have them pay before I have to pay my private lender. So I pay simple interest on the 15th of the month, and that's 6%. And then I also have another program where I let the money accrue, and they get paid when I get paid, which is when I sell the property, and that's 8%. So those are the three ways I like to pay. Mm-hmm. And what you have to watch is is the market. At, at some point, you know, if interest rates start to skyrocket, then I got to go up. Yes, yes. And I guess ahead of them. And I've I've watched that same I've watched that same thing happen that you have back in. Well, I think I first started getting private money sometime in the early two thousands, and it was you know you had to say ten percent to get people's attention. Because mm-hmm. at that time, mortgage rates were 6 to 7. And then as time went by, and especially in the last, you know, 10 years, when, when mortgage rates have gone crazy cheap, gone like to three three and a half to 4% at one point, right. even for investors, uh, when I would approach new private lenders, it would make them nervous if I said double-digit numbers. Like right. if, if I said 10 or 12, they'd be like, wait a minute. Yeah, you'll, you seem too good to be true, and, and you scare them away. It's just the opposite of what what your goal is. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to attract, and you think if you go higher, you're going to attract them, and you're going to scare people away if you're if you're out of the ballpark on this. Yeah, so you, you have to be aware. Yeah, and you have to you have to understand that they they don't live in our world where we understand that a well bought rental property can generate twenty five percent a year in income, mm-hmm. and so. 12 sounds like a crazy number, right? It sounds like it right. must be a scam cuz nobody's getting 12%. That that's 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 nuts. It can't be it can't be correct. So um I I would say that based on the numbers that Alan just gave, you are roughly correct that it's going to be like 2 to 4% above uh or 4 to 6% above what the um what the you, you named a bank CD rate, 2% is about what banks are giving on longer term CDs. Uh, but that it kind of depends on the kind of deal. It kind of depends on how long you're going to get to keep your money out. And, and keeping out longer is typically better, by the way, because if, 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 the, if the investor pays you back in three months and then your money sits there for three months until they can take it again on another deal, that overall might not make you as much money as right. just keeping it out all the time at 5, per, five to 6%. Uh, okay, we're we're just about out of time, but there was one more question that I wanted to get to here, and where did it go? Um, it was from Rebecca, and it was about the part of the loan that might be for repair costs, and whether or not that that should go that should fund to the title company. In other words, I'm borrowing money both to purchase and to repair. Does the private lender send all that money to the title company, or only the part for purchase? Well, there's when when you go to closing, there's four parts of uh, four pieces that you need money for. One is to buy the property. Number two is the rehab cost. Number three uh, is the 
the closing cost. And number four is I always borrow a little extra. I don't suck every dime out of this thing. I borrow a little bit extra. So um, uh, I leave the bigger chunk for when I sell the property. What I do is I don't break that down for the private lender. I give them one number. And I add all this stuff up in my head, and I give them the one number that I need to have them send in. And they're tickled to do it because they're going to start getting a high rate of return. So um, that's the way I handle it. And so to answer your question on the rehab, do we break it out or whatever? No, it all goes on in. And what happens is when you're setting it closing uh, and they go through the, the settlement statement, is is that extra money will drop to your side of the statement. And so you'll walk out with a big check. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really Rebecca's question was like, how does it get back to me if it's, <laughs> if it's at the title company? And the answer is it comes back as a title company check. So, uh, Alan, we are, believe it or not, out of time. Uh, Do appreciate your time today and your insight on what's going on with private money right now and some of the things that folks need to think about doing uh, in order to start raising it. Again, uh, he'll be in Columbus on February 5th, Cincinnati on February 7th. Uh, CincinnatiRIA.com or CentralOhioRIA.com for more information about those meetings. Uh, We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.